Oh my lord, it's freezing. It is actually super cold. Anyway, let's get stuck into it. Yep. Shall we? Uh, episode eight, we think, for the Bruder podcast, guys. Thanks for joining in. Um, it is Australia, but it's freezing at the moment. It's in Arctic conditions that we come to you. De- dedication to the podcast, my <laughs> friends. Um, what's happening? Uh, Goodwood. You know, it was funny. I wanted to, we we're going to do the podcast last night because I hadn't I hadn't spoken to anyone in like a week about cars or anything, and I was just like chomping at the bit to talk about cars <laughs> with someone. You're going going a little bit cabin feverish. I, I literally was because none of none of like I guess the, the usual crew of, of mates. I, I didn't see anyone during the week anyway, yep. but I hadn't spoken to anyone, and so much was happening. I was actually it would have been perfect, but instead we probably spoke about everything last night and this morning anyway. That's so all right. <laughs> we're just going to be just covering ground that we've we've already covered, but. I want to start off and ask you, Aaron, uh, yeah. you mentioned Goodwood. Mm-hmm. Now, you were there last year. Yes. Can you paint the picture as someone who's actually been there? Tell me what it's like. Okay. So, just starting off, it is um, a couple of hundred of hectares of property, which is owned by um, Lord March. Lord March. Um, and the biggest issue over in the UK is there's a lot of inheritance and there's a tax around it and people get these amazing properties, but the biggest difficulty is actually maintaining them. So what he essentially did, being relatively business-minded, um, was come up with the concept of hosting this Goodwood Festival of Speed event, which is in its Silver Jubilee this year, which is 25 years. And that was a way of generating some income. So he essentially rents space and there's ticket entry fees. So he generates some revenue to support the 200-odd employees, I think, he's got to manage the grounds so that's how Goodwood started Um, so you enter this amazing property um, and there's sort of field after field after field and there's numerous different properties throughout um, the the sort of area Um, but then once you get in there there's it's quite overwhelming because you're taking in um, new cars so a lot of the car manufacturers set up dealerships that are sort of mobile Um, you've then got people that bring their private cars um, that park just in the car park themselves and you sort of start drooling over what's in there. You also then see some classic cars um, and then you see sort of the, the crazy stuff, which is historic race cars, F1 cars, and then you've got all mixes of people, young and old, sort of walking around. So it, it is literally a festival and it sort of caters to a bit of everything, but uh, I think it's more the premium end that grabs everyone's attention. And so so, yeah. so I've, I've obviously, I've never been, yeah. but so how does it work? Um, just sort of because when you watch the live stream, it's mm. really good, but you really only see, I guess, um, you obviously see Goodwood House, yeah, and then you see um, the hill, the hill climb, yeah. Is there only one entry to the estate? No, there's many entries, entry points, and there's three days. So there's the Friday, the Saturday, and the Sunday, and it's typically the Actually, Saturday. Four days. Now. Is there four they did now? Thursday. Oh, okay. So there's yeah. the four. So the Saturday is sort of um, the toughest in terms of getting general admission tickets. Is too. it? Um, did it sell they, out? When they you were sell there? out well in advance. So then you have to get other packages to get access on the Saturday. Um, but in the surrounding fields and areas, and I think the most exciting area for me is where they actually store most of the supercars prior to them actually going on the hill climb run. So you can stand around them, you can speak to the drivers, um, you can go and look inside them, this sort of thing. And I think we've mentioned before, you know, you see like a McLaren F1 just sitting there without being roped off. So is the access can, really good, is it? You, you can you can literally touch the cars if you wanted to. Not that that would be the right thing to do. Yeah. But you can, you can just get right up amongst it. And... Then there's the rally section, which is sort of north of the property, um, which you can hear from a mile off. 
Really? Um, but then actually like seeing it, that's a bit of a trek because um, yeah. that's towards the finish line of the hill climb itself. Um, and then if you want to wait at the top of the hill climb to watch the cars coming up, they then have all the cars congregate after a specific session. And it's quite cool if you want to take photos of, for, for example, after the Ferrari session or mm. after sort of classic F1 cars, that sort of thing. So there's a lot to take in. Uh, there's a corporate area where sort of people host and wine and dine. There's the Martini area, which is specific to looking after the people participating in the event. Um, so you'll see a lot of people will be kind of caught coming in and out of there getting interviewed. Um, I'm just trying to think if I've missed anything else. There's there's a lot going on. There's a lot of sort of um. How many like, days did you go out? We of did the three. Okay, so you did Friday, yeah. Saturday, Sunday, and, and you, that was a you lot. probably need it though, don't you, to sort of get your head around it all? You could probably hammer it in two if you wanted. If you wanted to just see specific stuff to what you like, yeah, and and that you definitely include the Saturday. So probably Friday, Saturday, or the Saturday, Sunday. Um, but if you want to get footage and you want to try and see absolutely every single thing, you'd be kept very very busy. Um, and you know, you, you've got a schedule to work to, but you just get distracted the whole time because yeah. you go, Oh, look at this, look at that. So, yes. so as a reference point, maybe to some Australian, uh, listeners, viewers, whatever you want to call it, obviously, I mean, we have Rensport here, but it's obviously very, very watered down compared to what the rest of the world gets. Yeah. Like, can you compare it on scale? Like, is it 10 times the size or like, or you can't oh, really compare with numbers? I, I couldn't compare it because firstly, we're pretty sort of small here in Australia. So, mm. what we get in terms of car events is limited. But I think globally, most people would say this is the best car event, mm. broadly speaking. And yeah, you just sort of see like you're getting F1 drivers from the 70s, 80s, and people are still seeking their autographs. Mm. Um, you've got like we're just looking now and it's been a year since the amount of new cars that have come out particularly in that supercar segment it's mm. mind-blowing so there's a lot to see um, I think what would be cool is if you manage to be a passenger or even a driver in part of the hill climb event mm. I'm not sure what's involved in in, in connections, get, mate. Getting, connections in mate. getting that opportunity but like even at the start line some of the old F1 cars are that loud that first of all they scare you and secondly like your ears ache if, yeah. you, if you're not prepared for it. So it's just, um, yeah, it's quite a journal and rush. The, um, it's kind of funny, isn't it, how you've got the automotive landscape as far as um, shows and stuff has sort of changed. Because you know how way back when you used to look at all the major shows, Geneva, Frankfurt, yep. uh, in, uh, New York Motor Show and whatever, and we even had our own sort of watered down versions. Mm. But now... Um, particularly because internet and access is so, you know, people want to see things in action. Mm. That um, hill climb has almost turned into like uh, where people are launching cars. Yeah. So like the 600 LT, that's the launch of the car. Same thing, didn't GT2 RS launch their car last year when you were yep, there? that's correct. Porsche? So that was under wraps and then I think it got unveiled on the Saturday. Yeah. And then, then straight it, up the and, hill climb. And then, yeah, they had another one sort of tucked away somewhere that then jumped out on the circuit and went up the hill climb. Um, and one guy attempted some sort of burnouts and whatnot and mm. some weren't so good. Some were better than others. I think traction control was <laughs> left on. But it's fun. It's, it's, isn't it? It's so funny how that's sort of changed now where, it, you know, it used to be, oh, like, um, like Geneva's exciting because you see mm. some things, but at the end of the day, it's just the car sitting there. It doesn't really do much. You can have a, a journo talk about the specs and, and all that stuff as much as you want, but yeah. the Goodwood thing, whether you're in Australia and for us, if you haven't already been watching it, the live stream on the YouTube channel for it's Goodwood good. is unbelievable yeah. and that's all I've ever gotten to watch. So that's all I know, but you're getting to see these brand new cars that no one's even reviewed them or anything yet mm. and they're getting spanked up a hill, doing burnouts, you know, you get to see them in action, which I think is pretty awesome. Yeah, and it's almost like a roving motor show as well because you do have some of the key brands set up 
like stalls equivalent of what they would and and a lot of it is largely entertainment as well so it's people and and customers that they want to entertain whether they are prospective customers or long-time customers and they really do put on a good show Um, and you know you can sort of there's an area that Jackie was doing last year where you can go in the car and they'll sort of whip you around for two minutes sort of sideways Um, you've got obviously Land Rover and Range Rover who sort of do all-terrain stuff so there's lots of experiences even for people that can't drive so for the kids as well and then you know if you if you're into your f1 you do get a lot of guests there and you know you'll have people like um you know mark weber's sort of pretty regularly there as an ambassador for porsche and that sort of stuff and you know, these people just walk around because they're enthusiasts as much as they are there in a professional capacity so sometimes you sort of look over your shoulder oh look who that is and, mm. and then five minutes later it's the same thing again so it's pretty cool that's awesome so let's talk about notable notable appearances for cars yep. this year um, shall we just get it out of the way, the, the big one, the elephant in the room, the singer? <laughs> oh. oh, it's a good looking elephant. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. That, isn't it amazing um, how much of an impact that car's already having? I've, I've looked at the pictures of it yeah. like repeatedly and I still get excited each time I look at them. So imagine seeing it in person there. Mm. And I know they had one of their prototypes actually doing the hill climb mm. and it's just, you know, as I said, was it um, de- uh, everything matters or something like that? Is the inscription on so one of the door sills? So they're calling. I think the reference. I think is DLS Design Lightweight Study. Yeah, is what it was. But then they have on one of their door like every every element matters or something. And mm. I think that's like there's not a single thing on it. You go, oh, they've forgotten to do this. You go, how did they take that so far? It's so, like it's nuts. <laughs> so let's recap this car for anyone who hasn't watched yeah. the videos or, or read about it. So essentially, you've got. Um, uh, singer who reimagined Porsches out of uh, I think Sun Valley in the USA ten years ago or so yeah so yep. we they've been they've been doing it for some time now they've I think they made their hundredth car very recently yep so essentially in the background for the last sort of two or three years um, you've got the the founder I've forgotten his name but he's a former guitarist in a band yeah um, who basically has teamed up with Martin uh, not Martini sorry uh, Williams right Williams F one yep. Number one as an engineering partner. They've also got um, as a mentor. They've got Hans Mesger. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, that's the engine in these two cars in the background here. If you can see him, that that's Hans's work from way back when, which is pretty awesome. So Hans is uh, one of the most legendary engine builders on earth, engine mm-hmm. designers, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call him. He's designed so many uh, race-winning cars right through to I think it's even won some F1 sports cars, group cars, Le Mans, you name it. So imagine having him on your team; you'd feel pretty confident. Um, it's amazing, yeah. And then you've got obviously the suppliers that they've teamed up with, mm. and they're not just sort of um, every day. Like this is the cream of the crop. Well, you've got so BBS have never made a Fuchs racing wheel, mm-hmm. so they've made a, a Fuchs reimagined wheel is the term they like to use, and it's it's a magnesium wheel. Which Lord knows what that wheel's worth. Probably sixty, seventy thousand dollars for the wheels alone. Um, but it was so fascinating reading the backstory on it. And as you said, that moniker of like nothing's been left untouched. Yeah. Mm. The detail. It's like a Pagani interior. I think it's everything that you could want because it's got all the coolness of a retro style car. But the tech, if you look at things like around the aero and the engineering of the motor, the extensive use of carbon fiber, you know, this is as modern a car as anything else. Mm. But with that cool retro look, which is very sort of trendy at the moment. And it just the, the haunches on it. My God. So they, they made it to look like the uh, 73 RSR, which is why it's got the tacked on guards. And it looks mega. So 
as a as a bit of reference, because it's funny if you just looked at the horsepower, people would be like, "Oh, five hundred horsepower." Mm, mm. That's five hundred horsepower air cooled out of a four liter engine. It revs over nine thousand. Yeah. Um, the other really impressive part of it is the car. I think depending on how you spec it and whatever you do with it, you can get it close to a thousand kilos. So if you're looking at the power to rate, yep. weight ratio, which is end of the day what it is, um, power to weight is it's. Uh, it's got more power per kilo than a GT2 RS, the current one. This thing's going to be a rocket, like an actual rocket. And then you overlay the cool factor of just all the bits and pieces, whether it's the speedometer and you sort of see the the branding on it and the detail on the console of the shifter, the seats, the roll cage, the, the, the way the doors are constructed. Like you just look... Everything's competing for your attention. It's amazing. I think the best part is, in theory, we should be able to see that car at um, Rensport. I reckon it'll be there. It has to be, yeah. Because thank goodness, the prototype that they're running up the hill climb at Goodwood yeah. has got seventy written on it. Mm. Like so, it's and a it hark back to the seventy year anniversary. So that's quite interesting to see that. Yeah, it's very interesting. I'd love to really know what um, they think, what Porsche thinks, <laughs> yeah. because there's a big thing on what you can and can't do and, and all that yeah. sort of stuff. But you cannot. I mean, look, you Hans Mesger involved, right? If he's involved in the in the thing, mm. the um, who's is it? Doctor Wolfgang Porsche, Porsche. Yeah. yeah so Doctor Wolfgang, I whether he can say it publicly or not, I guarantee you. He's impressed with that car. He's probably got an order in. He, they're making what, 75 of them they're going to make, oh. 1.8 million US. So, quick numbers, what's a th- 1.35 exchange factor plus duty? So, you reckon it'd be three to three and a half mil here landed with LCT? By the time we get whacked with our taxes here, probably. It'll be three and yeah. a half, right? Yeah, yeah. You have a three in front of it. Yeah, I think easy. I think it can yeah. go deep, depending. So, uh, if someone out there he buys one in Australia... Let us know. Whatever we yeah. have to do, we're gonna we're gonna hunt down the owner and just oh. sit in it, stroke it, whatever needs to be done. <laughs> Maybe we won't put that one on camera because that one might be a bit intimate. It's a, it's an amazing car, and this is you know an operation that's only been around for ten years, and they've attracted the talent that they have in the individuals. But those companies like you know Momo, Recaro, BBS, you know these are Brembo some, did the brakes. Brembo, like these are all. The best of the best. And they've all collaborated. So, it's just like the best concoction you can possibly have. Isn't it funny because Porsche is the main sponsor of Goodwood this year, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Obviously, because of their anniversary, the Jubilee 25th. Yeah. Is that what they call Golden S- Jubilee? Sil- Silver Jubilee. Silver Jubilee. Yeah. There you go. 25 years for Goodwood and then 70 years for Porsche. So, now, isn't it kind of bizarre that they're pretty much taking the limelight away? Like, it's that is the car of the event. You know, Porsche's yeah. got the speeds to concept there. They're doing runs and that's exciting and all that sort of yeah, stuff, yeah. but nothing compares to the to that singer that's there. Which is, you know, this independent out of California. It's, it's bizarre, it's, isn't it? It's, it's crazy. Um, but wow, there's a lot of thought and just the attention to detail, which I think we both appreciate. Oh. It, it, even if you don't love cars, I think you would look at that and you go, wow, there's a lot of work and thought and just everything, it just, uh, just, and the way the gear shift is now mounted up a bit higher as well. And the exposed linkage. Oh. We were saying, we, yeah. we exchanged some texts on a group message very briefly, you, myself, and, and another mate. Yeah. Who were, um, <laughs> we're rather, rather fond of the Porsches in general. You'd have that over anything. anything. The only car literally on earth that you, that I would take over it, I think, would be McLaren F1 GDR. That's probably yeah. the only yeah. car, but of new car, I mean, new inverted commodore cars. Does nothing even comes close? Yeah, because there's this thing. I'll oh, be nice to have this nice, and then this is like I must have this. <laughs> Can you imagine? 
Oh, the no- have you heard it going up the hill? Oh, yet? I haven't heard it yet. No. It's so funny because I in in the the Top Gear did a bit art. Uh, Top Gear did a big article with the um the owner of Singer. Yeah. And he's talking about um you know this and that and and he said that one of the most unique things is the sound. And there was a couple clips during testing. Um, I think it was at Bruntingthorpe or whatever. They were testing it in 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 the UK a lot. Mm-hmm. And the noise that it makes, it's really bizarre because you know the water cools how they tend to be really uh, sorry air cools are a bit grumpy or grumbly. Yeah, a bit turb. A little bit of a turbine sound at the mm. top end, but yeah. But they just they tend to just be a real real grumpy noise, but in a nice way. These the, because it revs to over nine thousand, it has this really unique sound of sounding old and new at the same time. Okay. It, it almost sounds like a cross between like a current GT3 and like an old... Air-cooled. Air-cooled race yeah. car. It sounds phenomenal. you got to watch the videos of it going up the hill. watch it straight after this. Let's yeah. wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just amazing. So let's... Um, to be honest, I haven't even paid much attention to what else is out there apart from... <sighs> McLaren's there with the 600 yeah, LT. Which is cool. Which, um, nice. To, oh, I reckon it looks amazing. I'm a big fan of that. There's a lot of rave reviews, like very, very positive feedback on it. And, and I think as you rightly pointed out, certain colors do make it look significantly better because you get the carbon contrast. Yeah. And boy, is there a bit of carbon on that. Oh, that's that, that, yeah. that's the other one. Yeah. That's the other one to have. Is, uh, Aston's there with the DBS. We talked about that last yeah. time. Is, is there anything else that's caught your eye from what you've seen or you've just well, focused talk, on the it, So, we know the Brabham's over there. Yeah. Um, you've got all the new Aston products. You've got the Ferrari Pista, um, that sort of thing. But I think they're the two we've spoken about most and got our attention with probably 95% of that being the Singer. Oh. Um, but yeah, there's some amazing old rally cars that have been zooming up mm. and you've got like the American muscle cars and we watched one of the guys, I think it was Bill Goldberg, which might have been a wrestler. Yeah, yeah. Smashed what his Toyota Tundra. That was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> the um, we've, we've got, uh, well, we were talking about it earlier, but we've mm. got to try and somehow see if we can stop by the singer shop in the States. Yeah. Sun Valley, whatever. I don't know what we're going to do, but some bribe. I, I just something. want some merchandise. I just want something to be affiliated with them because... You know, I usually don't like, not that they're aftermarket, but I usually typically like original sort of, you know, OEM factory style products Mm. and cars. And then you see what these guys do and it changes your thinking because they just go that next level and you just appreciate the amount of hours, you know, the amount of sleepless nights these guys must have had in Mm. the early days. And now the fact that they've got this, you know, premium product where you've got to queue up and wait and it's a privilege you know, to have your car made by that's an amazing business. Oh, oh, fantastic. I wonder who the, the customers will be of that singer because you, yeah. there, there'll be a lot of extreme, obviously, you need extreme wealth to be able to buy it, but it'll be interesting. Are you getting, is it, uh, are you a diehard Porsche guy that buys that or are you someone that maybe wants something a little bit different? I mm. think that's, it'd be very interesting to know the customer profile. I think what would be interesting is the process to get your hands on one. And how they do so? Do the do you know if the existing customers get first, first you know refusal? Or I don't know. How's th- that going to work? I think the given the price is let's call it two million US, right? Yeah. Only a certain number of people can buy those cars. You know, are in that mm. bracket to afford it. But at the end of the day, because I think you're tapping into let's face it, the Porsche uh, alumni is larger than most Ferrari and Porsche. Mm have the biggest alumni and by that I mean fan clubs basically huge fan clubs yep. and in that fan club you've got a lot of really wealthy people so you know 
I, I think um, so. Something like Koenigsegg or Pagani, I think they make like thirty cars a year. Very, yeah, very small numbers. You know, so small numbers. Mm. So if they're going to make seventy-five at two million dollars, um, and 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 they're not even making money on those things, like from the engineering and, and R and D, there's no money really to be made. It's funny he he makes a point of saying that he's like, trust me, I'm not rich making these cars. At I, all. And I think that applies to the mm. the first. You know, mm. style of product they made, which yeah. is the three point eight liter motor. Then it went to the four liter. Yeah, they, they've said we try to make these as inexpensive as possible, but they just are because of the yeah. amount of work that goes into them. So it'll be it'll be funny because you know, um, and particularly because it's only manual. That's the other part. Restricts it. it. Yeah, it restricts yeah. it. So you, first of all, you need someone who can afford a two million US dollar car, and then yeah. you need someone who wants a manual. So um, I think if you have the money to buy one, let's say you had it right now, you would mm. get one. I don't think that they've like disappeared or sold out. Okay. I don't think. Interesting. But then again, having said that, there is a two-year wait list to get a normal singer. But a normal singer is six hundred thousand US. So there's a big difference between three times the cost. Yeah. Yeah. And and the and probably even a little bit more depending the on spec, it. Spec. Yeah. So. Oh man, that thing's epic. Absolutely epic. We should probably yeah. move on to something else. <laughs> um, I was having to think during the week, actually. Mm. Um, obviously, we're, what we think is eight episodes in. It's going to be funny when I'm editing this a little bit later today if it's wrong. Um, get, getting comfortable on the mic, I think, a little bit. And uh, what I want to do, to give people maybe a bit more background on you as mm-hmm. an automotive person, and I think yep. we, can, we can maybe dive into some of the other stuff deeper later. But I want you, and give me the long story, Aaron. Yeah, yeah. And give the listeners, the viewers, the long story of your automotive start. Give me from your first car right through to now. Yep. In the, you know, you've had your license probably 15 years, 14, 13, 15 years Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, yeah. So, first up was a 1988 Nissan Pulsar Q. It was in white. Um, Came with seat covers. Came with 13-inch CSA alloy wheels. Striking design. Um, What's the CSA stand for? Oh, that was just an aftermarket wheel that the grandma put on the wheels. Were they aftermarket? Yeah, they were. They were aftermarket. Um, and the car, I think we previously mentioned, had about sixty-six thousand kilometres on it. Was in great condition. It was manual. I learnt to drive on that car when I was sixteen. So once I got my uh, P plates here in Australia at seventeen, I sort of just kept driving with it. So you know, I learnt how to. Uh, bunny hop in that car initially until I got smooth enough to drive with it. Um, and that was a great car. I had it for a few years. I then backed that up with a Volkswagen Polo GTI, which I specced uh, new. And that was a 2005 model, I want to say. Um, and that was exciting because I got to put leather seats in it, got to put a sunroof, it had heated seats. So, um, you know, it was quite exciting specking that. Got it black on black, sort of looked pretty cool. Um, and I had that. Um, I had that for about six years, that car. Um, and then I sold that. I did about 70-odd thousand kilometers in it. Um, they only came in a manual, so it was yeah. a five-speed manual. Um, and coincidentally, I sort of sold that to another younger guy who sort of liked the same idea of it because that was a 1.8-litre turbo engine that Volkswagen had had in the previous gen. It was Golf a Mark GTI. 4 GDI yeah. engine. So in, in the Polo sort of chassis, it had 110 kilowatt. Um, you know, the Polo was front-wheel drive. Yeah, it wasn't overpowered, but it was, you know, certainly a big step up for me from the Nissan. Um, I then sort of went without a car for a while because I was sort of living in a city. And then I started sort of getting the Porsche bug and started sort of, you know, progressing with work and you start sort of looking at other options. And then I thought the entry point for me would be suitable, would be a Boxster-style product. 
I didn't like the 986 because of the sort of fried headlight situation. So the 986 for those is the original Boxsters, right? The first one. The original, yeah. first gen. So they did 2.5 litre, 2.7, and they did the S with the 3.2 litre. I ended up getting a 987 Boxster S, which had the 3.2 litre six-speed manual, and you actually test drove it on my behalf. And was I it a 3.2 or a 3.4? 3.2 for the Boxster. The Cayman was a 3.4. Oh, really? Yeah. So, there's a slight difference there. So, you couldn't get a 3.4 in a 987 Boxer S? You could Later after on, 2007. When mine it went a, to Gen 2. Mine was an 05. Yeah. Um, so, look, that for me, I managed to get into that car because the guy had committed on buying a Carrera and this had reasonably low Ks for the way he priced it and he just needed to get rid of it. So, Key went and actually test drove What'd it. What did you pay for that back in the day? Was that, that 40 or 60? Um, it was forty. It was less than 42,000. Yeah, so and, and some was selling for around 55 at that time. So just based on what it was going for, it sort of got me tempted. I had that for a couple of years. Um, that was good fun. Um, had it had it, you know, seriously detailed because when I got it, the paintwork was in quite poor condition. It was in midnight blue, which is a metallic color for Porsche. Mm. And I maintain that's probably one of the worst colors for showing up anything. Probably worse than black. Um, it's a very, very deep color. can look really sort of bright in the sunlight, but then it can almost look black in, in uh, the shade. Um, then after that, um, again, I went went without a car for a little while because I was still in a city. Um, I then bought a new Porsche Macan GTS, which I spec'd. Um, didn't go too crazy on it, but had that for a shorter period than expected. Mm. Um, so I put about six 7,000 Ks on that because um, I was doing some travel at the time and it was sort of just sitting in the garage depreciating. So that didn't feel so great. So I decided to move that on. And then most recently, we added the car up the top uh, there. Um, I we s- bought a Golf before that, though. Oh, sorry. I completely yeah. forgot about the Golf. That's the, golf that's the car right? I used to get here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm cheating on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I bought a Golf, um, which is the Mark 7.5, I think yeah. it is. Um, that's a great car. Um pretty carefree look it just it's just a mile way it just munches the miles um you can average like under five liters per hundred i got that and then two three months later i'd been hunting around and the market had come off on the 993s and i thought oh let's have a go at this so keeg and i went up one a week one weekend met the guy keeg's brought all his lights and we we did it so i don't know how many cars is that so you five, had six? you had nissan pulsar you had polo gti you had boxster s you had mccann you had golf you had that at six cars. Jeez, I never thought I'd had that many cars. It's funny. That you, feels like a lot. It is. When when you add them up, when you actually talk about it, you realize like yeah. in my mind, I'm like, I've only had a couple of cars. Then you add it yeah. up, you're like, oh, geez, I haven't really. I think you just remember the ones you want to remember. <laughs> well, you just probably forget them. At the time, yeah. it was a big deal. Like I remember uh, when you got your Polo GTI. That was so exciting. At the time, oh. um, hot hatches, everyone knows hot hatches. Yeah. And I guess hot hatches is the gateway drug. It is because we we all look at the cars above and we want them. But let's face it, when you, I mean, you were in a position ahead of most at your time. You'd been working full time for a big accounting firm. Yeah, I've been so, working three years, yeah. and I thought, you know what, I'll I, I wanted to do it, and I wasn't fortunately wasn't financing it. So I thought, you know, I'll I'll, I'll buy it, and you know, it, what, it was a good you, car. So was that about thirty six, thirty seven grand? The retail for about thirty eight. Yeah, with all the bits and pieces, I got it for low thirties. So I got a deal on it so mm-hmm. I essentially got my first couple of years depreciation sorted so um, the way my mind works I was kind of justified it to myself that that's not a bad mm. thing and yeah, it was a great car like small but it it had enough it just I think the interior was really well done on it for a car mm. in that segment and that for me you know there were cars that are faster like the Renault Clio um, you could get a Peugeot 206 GTI 
that was shocking. Do you remember the the, the gearbox mm. throw on that thing? It was. I think it's funny, uh, and Volkswagen have always managed yeah. to do this right. Is where. Um, if you were looking at a pure driver's car, the Clio, hands Killed down, it. is the best car. Yeah. But the fact is, day to day, you need to live with a car. And if it's your living with car, you want the mod cons to be nice. And that's where yeah. the Polo GTI, I mean, that's where it won. It had the Easily. seats and the Easily. sunroof and the stereo. And, so, and, 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 you know, it looked just more modern. It looked more premium. It was, it was better made. Just mm. overall, and I think that's where Volkswagen does it, is they're not the fastest. Um, they will always have probably the best interior package. They'll have pretty reasonable styling. Um, but, what, you know, the sum of the parts is typically greater than the whole, I think, mm. with the Volkswagen, because that Clio was a hoot. But then you have to go, oh, I've got to sit in this, and it's like was so that, Spartan. Was that like a 182 cup you were looking yeah, at? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, had a bit of livery. They're so cool these days. I can't get them. I'd love to pick one up. Well, let's have a look. I'd actually... Let's do it. If I were to pick up an old funny for shits and giggles car, I think that'd be mega fun. Well, let's have a look and see what's out there. (laughs) So, isn't it... It's that hot hot hatch um, gateway. I mean, I've owned... You've had some I've had four or five. So, my my first car I bought... I actually bought it off mum and dad, actually. I bought their Mark IV Golf 2-litre generation. Yep. Black outside, I think it had 15-inch wheels. It was pretty pretty specky. It was a two-liter. I mean, I put tons of Ks on it. I drove that car. I'd been to Melbourne. I'd been to like Byron Bay. It had roof racks. It had surfboards in it. It had bikes in it. I mean, I treated that car. Like well, a house. Yeah, like a house pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, and it was great up until I, I started having airflow sensor issues with it. Right. And I ended up putting in quite a bit of money into it in the end. Just could never quite get it right. And I moved that one on because I ended up buying the car that I'd always wanted. We're talking hot hatches here. I managed to pick up the best condition Mark V Golf GDI. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of a trip down memory lane for people who are into hot hatches. The Mark IV GTI was the biggest fizzer ever. Yeah. It was a turd. It was underwhelming. turds. The yeah. engine did not have enough power. It was too heavy. It was super underwhelming. And then Volkswagen came back in a massive way. And mm. the Mark V at the time, I remember watching every person that tested it was head over heels for the Mark V GDI because it actually brought the DSG for the first time. Yeah. So that was very significant. We're talking 05 here, 06, that the DSG came out in the Mark V as well as the manual. So you had the choice. Jeremy Clarkson tested it on Top Gear. And this was back when, really, if you wanted a TV show to watch on cars, That's I mean, you, all. YouTube didn't even uh. exist for cars. So you were watching Top Gear. And I remember Jeremy Clarkson loved it. Back then, you would read magazines and, and online about it. And so I'd always wanted one. But I think it took me... So that was an 05, and I think I bought it in maybe 2009 or 2010. Mm. So I bought it as a very much a secondhand car. And I was working at a dealership at the time. Yeah, I got that. That thing had like 28 thousand k's on it or call it 30,000 I think it was super low I can't even remember I think it might even been 23,000 k's and I paid 18 and a half thousand dollars for it it was leather it had sunroof and mm. it was DSG and it was amazing I drove it for like a year or two and I sold it for profit that's how <laughs> to a friend actually. to somebody we know yeah. um, but but I'd still done it I did a good deal to them because yeah. they knew the car was amazing so that was the second Golf, and it was a Golf GDI. And I only sold that because I ended up working for a, another car manufacturer that had a, a company car. Yeah. So I got out of that into an i30. Um, Upgrade. Because it, it was a package. Funnily enough, it's actually not a bad car. Uh, it was nice because it was nice not having to own a car, so to speak. Mm. That was There was something to be said for not having to own it. It was really quite nice. And then once I moved on from that role, I bought 
another Mark V GDI from um, wow. from Andre. This this was a bit of a yeah, it was a bit of a turd. But <laughs> but I paid but I, I paid um, I only paid like seven or eight grand for that car. I don't know. It was very cheap. So that at that point, I think once again was an 05 or an 06. Red, Mark V red this GDI. time around. Red. Yeah. Um, it was in nowhere near the condition of my previous one. But to put it in perspective, my previous one I'd sold for like twenty one thousand or something. You know, so. Way cheaper, three times, a yeah. lot more kilometers. But this was a manual, and I always mm. wanted the manual, and it had the the was ECU it, retune. Was it by APR? Yeah, yeah. So you know how every like APR became the thing to do on all these cars. They did, um, and I'd always wanted the APR tune, and it came with it. But I had it was an it was an awesome car, but I had to do a bit of work to it. I had to put a new clutch, a new flywheel. I had to rebuild the turbo because it was leaking. Um, and I did a whole bunch of stuff to it. And then once it was, I mean, overall, it was a pretty good car, but mm. it sort of taught me. And you know the the age-old saying, if you do it once, you do it right? Do it properly. Yeah. Um, I probably should have just increased my budget by a handful of thousand dollars. And I would have just bought a much better baseline car. So that taught me really just, because that, that, that's a funny thing. You know how, you, I think it was the last podcast, you said to me, if you had five grand, what would you buy? What do you get? That was a case of I had just short of ten grand cash to spare um, on on the car at the time, and I bought a cheap one when I should have stretched and maybe spent twelve or thirteen grand, yeah, yeah. and I would have bought a way better example. So that taught me right then and there. Uh, moved that car on once again. I actually moved into another role that had a company car, mm-hmm. so I got rid of that. Then once uh, I was out of that role that didn't have a company car, I had to go and buy another car. So what did I do? Went and bought another Golf. <laughs> GTI. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah. Did, no. What about the white one? That was my first one I talked oh, about. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it went white GDI, DSG. Then I went manual red uh, GDI later on thereafter. But then at this point, the Mark 7 Golf had, had come out. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'd moved on from the Mark 5. Our old man actually had a Mark 6. Do you that's, remember that's that? That's what I got confused. I thought you owned that at some no. point, but you sold it. I was yeah. thinking the other day, yeah. I'd actually forgotten that there was a Mark 6 GDI yeah, in the yeah. family. I thought you owned that. For, and it had like no. the um, telephone dial wheels. As yeah, well, that yeah, was, that was yeah. cool. So yeah. the Mark Six was really a culmination of it, it took from the Mark Five, which was was beautiful and mm. brilliant, and then the Mark Six just sort of refined it. The interior was great and all these things. But um, I, I realized I was like, you know what? Because I'd spent in the preceding years so much money on that red GDI, I was like, you know what? I'm buying a car that I can put K's on, um, and I'm putting a car. I'm buying a car that uh, has a warranty. So. I didn't. I wasn't in the market to buy a forty-five or fifty thousand dollars GDI brand new. Yeah. So that's why I bought uh, the Mark Seven. Uh, just I don't. What's the what's the model of yours? Yours. What are they Seven point five. No, no. So there's the Mark, and then there's the like a Trendline or a Comfort uh, Line. Yeah, you got a. What's yours? Uh, so so there's Trendline, which is mm. the base. Then there's Comfort Line. Then there's Highline, and you got what a comfort, comfort Line with some with some driver assistance okay. packages. If people are still listening yeah. now as we talk about the trend lines yeah. and comfort lines. Singers respect, to golfs. Yeah, respect to yeah. you. <laughs> but this is the real world. And you know what? Um, Border Mark 7. It's honestly one of my, my, my favorite cars I've ever had. You miss it. It's so good. And I was driving, um, I mean, I drive yours. Yep. Uh, uh, there's in the family, there's so many golfs. It's ridiculous among family and extended families. There's always, always a golf to drive. But yeah. that car was brilliant. And the only reason I sold it is because I came across my C63 and it was a it was a case of like when I bought the Mark V white GDI, where mm. I knew that if I bought it, I was buying it well under market value. Yeah, that I could get into it. Um, so I moved my Golf on to 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 get into that. So that is, let's see, what have we got? We have got black Golf Mark IV. We've got white Mark V GDI, red Mark V GDI, 
uh, Mark Seven white, nor- just normal, and then now the C63. So five. So five cars. So twenty. I've had my driver's license for ten years now. Okay. So you're calling it every every two years, you're rolling in and out of a car, which is more often than it's you think. Quite regular. Mm. Yeah, it's quite regular. Particularly when you hear people go, oh, when I buy my cars, I run them into the ground. I'm like, how can you own something for that long and not get sick of it? <laughs> well, let's talk about that, actually. So you, you've got your 993. What, what's, yep. your, what's your plans moving forward? What, like, what, what do you see in your outlook? Yeah, so I'm going to put an exhaust. I'm going to put a wrap on it. Um, what else What else do people on YouTube do? Cut the shit. Yeah. What, no, <laughs> what, what, where do you see your automotive at, where, Your automotive future? Where do you want to take it? So, so for me personally, I've got the Volkswagen, which I drive just as an everyday car, more than adequate. But then having said that, you now look at what you can get the Golf GTI in sort of like the pure edition, I think they call it, like 39,000. Um, it would be nice to have something a bit more premium, but it just doesn't actually make sense when you work really close to where you live meters from where you and live. you walk to work so quite literally cars are a weekend thing for me mm. it, it could be for you but you opt to drive 1.7 kilometers to work um, and that's probably the most enjoyable part of your, your morning and afternoon um, so my plan for this car is to use it on the weekends and enjoy it um, you know I hope it doesn't cost me too much money because I, I, I hope it does retain its value like I'm very open about that um, but at the same time I've calculated the other day we put over 3,000 k's on it Mm. So that's pretty good in what four months? Well, look, I'm, I'm more. The question so probably was more aimed yeah. at um, moving forward, right? You would it be fair to say? I don't know if it's the fact that the air cooled part is the thing for you. I think it's you like that sort of classic modern retro look. I do. That that's it's the, an aesthetic thing for I, you, right? I like the aesthetic, but I like the fact that it still is modern enough to be able to enjoy it and mm. use it, as opposed to saying, "Oh no, it's in the shop again, getting repaired." But so yeah. looking at that, so for you, the period of cars you seem to like your nineties cars, yeah. right? They're sort of late nineties. Yeah. Yep. So if you like in your late nineties cars, do you think moving forward you want to add? To let's call it the word collection's funny. I don't yeah, like that no, word, but that's, yeah. add to your your repertoire or your garage at some point. Do you want to like, for instance, are you trying to move up in the range in the nine nine three eventually, or do you want to add to the garage and go? Well, you know what, I like this, but it'd be nice to get maybe a nine six four Carrera four or like what's yeah, your it's what's your mentality? I, I, moving I, I think I would be more inclined to get another nine nine three, and as you said, a different so a nine nine three turbo. Okay, so that's the one you're thinking. Maybe. Like, it's not a must-do thing, but they seem to have... There seems to be enough now that's sort of come back sensibly in pricing. Like, they went a bit crazy there for a bit. They're still not cheap. Yeah. But having said that, I have been looking at 964s and more at ones that are interesting. So, there's a Wimbledon green one, for example, that's quite immaculate, low kilometers. Um, But then again, it's like... You've only got two days on the weekends. If you're only using two out of seven days to use these cars, um, you know they, you know they're going to be sort of stored. And I don't think that's the purpose is to just have them sit there. You know, we've done a road trip; we'll do more. So it's trying to be sensible about it. But yeah, I I would always consider that era for sure, like quite easily do over you, over you, going new and spending the equivalent money on a new car. Do you lust after any of the new stuff at all? Is there anything that really... Like, forget the singer for a second. Is there anything that really piques your interest? I, I would happily have a current model Carrera GTS because... The turbo one or the non-turbo? 
Like Either. the prior I, I, one. I've driven the turbo one and it's like 3.3. And, and it And it's so quick. It's more than enough. So I love the GT cars as well, like GT3s. Mm. But in terms of car, I think that's a great blend. But having said that, a Targa previous model GTS with the naturally aspirated. That's that, I, that's I, for you. I've, I've looked at it. That's them. a bit of you. I've definitely looked at them. And I Are just, they still over 300,000? They've come. You can get like 270, but... Um, there's just no need for it, but they look fantastic. I think I think that's sort of it's funny because I think that says a lot about you, what you look for in a car. There's a combination of yes, performance is important for you, yeah, but fundamentally, style and aura is probably just as big, even if not a bigger part. The of rollover it. hoop has a lot to do with it. Yeah, <laughs> so it's quite fascinating because I, I like that aspect of um, you know in this car world, right? Yeah, not everyone. Uh, wants to set a lap time and there's people yep. such as yourself whereby um, I guess the style and the usability is, is a big factor of it yeah and I guess the I it's a, a target is iconic right it's an iconic yeah sort of thing because I've looked at older targets and when I did I probably should have bought them because what they're worth now is more than double and this is like three years ago mm. but Again, they've kind of got that whole modern thing sorted and they're amazing cars. It's got the center lock wheels. Um, it's got that sort of stance that you get with the GTS and all the black bits and pieces. But then you've got that sort of retro looking target hoop, but then you've got the tech behind how the roof actually works. So again, it's kind of a bit of a mix match and it's, I like that. But so if you, let's say you own a car like that. Are, yep. you, are you buying it because you want to... Um, you know, it's not a track car. Are you doing it because you want to go on road trips? Is that why you it's buy a car? It's a car I want to enjoy when I get in and drive it. So I, you could use it throughout the week if you needed to commute. So it would do that job very, very comfortably. It's not going to give you any grief. Um, I don't need that at the moment. But it's a car that you then use on the weekends and it just gives you so much enjoyment. Mm. And it's something you want to go and do. Instead of sitting at home, you go, I want to go out and do a drive or I want to go and visit some regional town and it's going to take me three or four hours to drive there and you explore some roads. That's probably more where I'm heading because I said to you a few weeks ago, I'm like, look at the car, let's go out and use it. And mm. let's, you know, instead of just washing it and detailing it, and I said, let's actually go and drive it. And that gave a lot of enjoyment doing that. Mm. So um, that could be an older car, it could be in something newer, but to spend that quantum of money and to only use it that regularly um, for this part of my life is probably not very sensible. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. But it's, it's nice to dream and look like... You know, it's part of the fun, right? It's it's funny. I just like I like to understand it because it's sort of a, um, that idea of trajectory of where you want to end up. Because everyone mm. in their mind, whether they want to admit it or not, and whether it's right or wrong, has a, a, you, you, I think everyone has two garages in their mind. They have a dream of like unattainable dream. I don't like to use <laughs> and yours is the biggest of anyone's. Oh, massive. <laughs> you know, like let's face it, McLaren F one yep. twenty to thirty million dollars. Not going to happen. I mean, yeah. we like to think that we're going to be successful in life, but let's face it, you're 0.0001%. So let's just forget that mm. there. So then you've kind of stepped back from that and you go, well, you know what? If, you work in a, if, you, if, you, if you're working in this world and you're successful and you achieve things that you want to achieve, you can yep. get to a position where, you know what? If you want to have a 993 Turbo, you can have that. And if yep. you want to target GTS in your garage, it's doable. Yes, you need to be successful, but it's doable, right? Yeah. And there's other things that you would prioritize or put mm. to the side. Um, to make that happen, but yeah, it can happen. For yeah. you, a cars, um, do cars define your thoughts on future financial earnings um, or, or like? It's an interesting question. What's the mentality? I, I, because I, I like property and looking at houses and that sort of stuff. And like, fundamentally, you need somewhere to live, so you either rent or you buy. Mm. Um, 
I, I do think, okay, well, maybe in a few years, if I achieve X in my career, then I can do this mm. with respect to cars. Um, but by no means do I go, I want that car. I need that much money for the car. I'm going to do this, this, and this to do it. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a byproduct of work. It's not work. It's not the car dictating the work that you do. Fair enough. Yep. I, I think I know where you sit on this spectrum. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I think I'm a pretty... Anyone who probably knows me personally, I'm a pretty unique individual. Very where, unique. Where I like, I will, I like the word compromise. I will compromise in like eight aspects out of my life to make two of the 10 aspects the way I want them to be. Yep, yep. So, for me, it's funny the, where I want to actually go. And, and but, but I think it actually gives you this great um, uh, patience. Because so for me, I've got this thing where it's like, well, you know, okay, I have a C63 now, right? Now, to get anything measurably better than a C63, I'm got to, it's a $200,000 proposition. You need to spend three times what you've currently spent. Yeah. You, you know, you're, going at, you're buying a Cayman GT4 secondhand for 180 grand. That's probably where you would re-enter. That's where I yep. want it. But yep. I'm nowhere near that. Not mm. even close to being at that point in my mm. life. Um, and that's just the way it is. I'd love to be there, but I'm not. And, and you know, fair enough. So then do you go, well, you know what? I just sit on where I am for the time being and sort of go on with that, um, blah, blah, blah. Or do you sort of take another pathway? Um, you know, do you go and do you then go, well, you know what? Instead of having a nice f- semi-fancy road yeah, car like yeah. a C63, my dream is to race. I want to race. Do you go, well, you know what? I'll sell my C63 and I'll go and buy a 996 Carrera Cup car for 50 or 60 grand. Mm. And then day to day, I mean, I can get around. I'm so close to work. Go and buy another $7,000 golf. Buy another golf. Um, Just not from Andre. (laughs) Um, So I've got this thing in my mind because I am planning for the future. And I admit that. Like my goals are are on the basis because I want to get there. Like They're uh, all car goals. They are car goals. They're car goals 100%. I don't, uh, to be honest, travel, unless we're traveling to go and look at cars, I don't care that Mm. much if I'm totally honest. You don't need your annual trip to Greece. No, no. Because you're going home. Yeah. I I don't, (laughs) for me, it's it's about, it's a destination. As you know, everything I've done in the last few years, I will go somewhere. Like I go to Bathurst to go and look at cars. I don't go to Bathurst to do anything else. Oh, it's Um, a good regional town. I mean, we're flying to the States to go to a car event for for two weeks. The trip is built around it. Exactly right. So, for me, it's like, well, do you go down the pathway of trying to buy race cars and blow my money that way? Or do you go down the pathway of heads down, bum up, and, and, and don't stick your head up until you can come out and buy a 991 Series 2 GT3 manual in years to come? Yeah, that could be a long time that you could go be, that you go without. Could so be speak. an extremely long time. Yep. And this is this mental battle that I'm like playing with in my mind. And I know it sounds so silly, but... That's just what I like. I like mm, these cars. Mm. And for me, um, you know, it's funny, right? You know, I might, someone might lust after a million-dollar Ferrari. Uh, you or I, we don't really no. think like that, right? It's like, well, what are we going to do with it? Exactly. Like, what, what, what are you, like, the thing is, yeah, it looks amazing and it drives amazing, but the day-to-day utility of them, mm. it does not compare or I think the excitement that you'll get from mm. every day. You know, if you want to go straight fast, mm. great. But how many times do you do that and you get bored? So it's this kind of funny thing where it's like I think in the in the me- I think medium terms the word used because it's not short term and hopefully it's not long term. Three to five years. I think it'd be five, five plus probably. Five to seven. I mean, right. let's face it. So we, uh, if you're international at the moment, a GT3 is hovering from sort of three fifty to four hundred depending on mm. options, right? That's a, that's a lot of money. Current model. 
Uh, yeah, current yeah. model. I want the manual. That yeah. is what I want. That's that is my dream. So, uh, I mean, look, you'd have a nine nine seven, such as the one yep. here. Um, but ha- you know, I think the dream is the nine nine one series too, depending on what mm-hmm. sort of keeps coming. But it's also, and I don't know if you've thought about this, but at our age, right? Let's say um, most people probably find their most success or most money in their bank account late forties, early fifties, because yeah. you've gone through the process of having your kids. 15, 20 years from where we are It's a long time. Yeah, you're in this awkward thing where if you remain single, you can be a little bit more loose cannon. Well, you can be selfish. Yeah, you can be selfish. (laughs) Whereas if you get married and have kids, they have to come first. And all these cars that we're talking about go out the door, give Mm. or take, right? Yep. So um, you kind of go, well... um, I completely lost train train of where I was actually going. Your your five to seven year car goal. (laughs) In in terms of... um, you know, uh, do you just push down that pathway of, of exactly uh, doing that or or do you veer off or whatever? It's it, I don't know. It's this interesting battle of um, like thinking and, and working. And, and I think I, I don't think I'm alone. I don't think I'm alone with what how people think for that, to be honest. Yeah, I, but I think your commitment to remaining at that mm. top end mm. is is different to most because some people will probably get to the point, yeah, oh, you know what, I'll buy a, I'll buy a 2006... 997 Carrera S manual and mm. and probably get a lot of enjoyment out of that. But you're so geared in your mind that I have yeah. to get a GT3 yeah. that I think you can't I'll come, abstain you, until you, it I happens. I don't think you can come back from that because you've mentally been there for years. So for you, that would be too much of a compromise, which I think is interesting because um, you could probably get quite a bit of enjoyment out of that, but then you'd think it's setting you back, I suspect. That's the thing. Yeah. You you buy something, but then that makes that one thing you really want further away. Maybe. Sorry, actually, what I was coming back to before, I just remembered is in the future, right, there's no guarantee that internal combustion engines Correct. are going to exist, right, or, or new models coming. Mm-hmm. We know at some point it's going to come to an end. Mm. And I'm, I'll be honest, I'm worried about that. I'm more from a hugely selfish point of view because – these cars next to us here, like a think of a GT3, and I'm just going to, everyone uses that as the example, and I'll, I'll continue to use it as that. But the day that GT3s aren't a GT3 anymore and they don't make them, that's honestly going to be the saddest point in my life, I, 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 I wonder. I wonder the timing around that. So this yeah. is what I want to want to sort of mention or discuss. Is it 10? Is it 20? Is it 30 years from now? And I worry that by the time in my lifetime that it's a viability to try and buy these type of cars. Ain't for sale. <laughs> the, well, the, the new ones aren't coming out. So mm. what's going to happen is the values on the old ones are going to go through the roof and they're going to become unobtainable at any point. Partially happening already. That I, I freak out about that. I, I'd say lie. 10 years. So like, that I, worries me. Like if you think about what's already happening... The take-up, like as we've said, when when the Germans, the biggest thing I think around electric cars is obviously infrastructure around charging them and range anxiety. Mm. And it's very well known that Tesla hasn't wanted to collaborate with others. They've got their own system. But I believe, and I could be wrong, but I think the major German manufacturers will collaborate and have an infrastructure that will absolutely crush the likes Mm. of Tesla because then there's no risk of ownership for people thinking range anxiety, this and that. And, you know, those guys are car manufacturers through and through. Tesla is a tech software company, car company, combination of all of the above. Yes, they've done some very interesting things because they were kind of the first mover. But when those guys get their shit together, they, you know, I reckon five years from now, it will it will be so common to just be parked next to an electric car. I saw Tesla charging stations. You see them at McDonald's and that sort of thing. I saw them at a hotel the other night. 
Two of them. And mm. I was like, wow, this is was, happening. Was it a Tesla or is it electric? Two thing? Tesla branded okay. charging stations in Port Macquarie. And I was like, wow, this is oh, really this is, this is really happening. That's so they can get up to Queensland because you stop ah, there, okay. charge and get to Queensland. Yeah, yeah they've, they've done that. So, so look, I, I think, yeah, 10 years quite easily. Because so at that point, are we only talk like um, these electric cars? Yeah. At some point, you and I will drive them. I don't have a problem with that. Happy but in, to have one. In, you know, day to day, much yeah. like the golfs. So yeah. When we talk about the golfs, we're talking about a car that just does car things, mm. not the performance end of the spectrum of going on a road trip or enjoying them. Emotion. Yeah. yeah. Driving for driving's sake. Yeah. Let's put it that way. So. You know, these events, it's like now when you go to a historics event to go and watch Formula 5000s because the current F1 cars maybe don't tickle your pickle the mm. same way the yeah. old stuff did. Um, I'm very intrigued to see moving forward how far off it really is that we're having to go to these car shows to get a true automotive fix. Well, yeah, or just buy older cars. Because there's going to be a point where you won't be able to buy an internal combustion 911. I think that's a long time away. You know, it'll be mm. it'll go hybrid at some point. There'll be some mixture, but there'll be a point in our life, in our lifetime, where um, you will not be able to buy a new 911 that doesn't just have an electric engine. Mm. And I'm not against that. I know that that's where it's heading, but I don't know if you and the same way that you lust after, lust after a 993 RS or I want a GD2 RS mm. or something like mm. that. I don't know if we, you're going to really lust after it. It's a, the whole engine component and the sound and the smell and that sort of thing is a huge component of the overall package that I think we value. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to be there. So that's the answer. I think. I'm, I'm scared. I think, man. I think enjoy what's around us today because yeah. it ain't going to get any better. That's, that's the that's thing. That's pretty much my takeaway. Some people are scared of death. I'm yeah. not scared of death. I'm scared of the death of cars. <laughs> I really it's already, am. It's happening. I'm it's already it's already happening. We know that. So if you own some, if you're watching this and you own something nice, just you know they say you know, they're like you know <laughs> to take care of your loved ones and take care of your loved one. Yeah. And go for a drive. Or, or as I enjoying good health. <laughs> just get out there. Oh man. Anyway, we've been rambling. This one's been a long one. It's going to have fifty minutes. Um, bit of housekeeping. Yep. Rent sports coming up in about seventy days. So yep, late September. Yep. So late September. So if you are watching this or listening to this and you're going to be over there. Um, we'd love to catch up with anyone over there. Um, we, I think we maybe do a podcast maybe in the next week or two, maybe outline our itinerary. itinerary. See what we can have, fit in. Yeah, and have a chat. Shout out to us. Yep. Yeah, have a chat. And um, I guess so, yeah, people can see what's happening. We Good can sort idea. of run through it. And if anyone finds it interesting or whatever. Um, Go from there. Yeah. So I was cool. uh, Actually, I forgot to tell people. If you've made it here, you're probably a listener. But you've got to subscribe. <laughs> Get on board, everyone. I need to do it at the start of them. I don't, I don't what really know. What about that sponsor it. you said we might have the other week? Remember, I think it was episode five, and you said we might have a sponsor the next week. We, well, didn't, I can't we, we didn't get a sponsor. No, no, there's <laughs> going to be no sponsor. But anyway, it's, mate, I'm having fun talking cars. It's good. We've got, we got to talk less outside of this. Otherwise, you just need to mic ourselves up all the time because we, we pre podcast, and then, and then yeah. you're pre podcasting all the time. Exactly. Uh, Thanks for thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, guys. Um, sorry, it was a bit of a break. Was that a two week break? Yeah, it was two week break. Two weeks. Sorry about that, guys. We'll uh, we'll come back soon and see you. Catch ya. Bye.